Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Every property now that I'm looking for, I'm looking at it from a sense is that after the renovation, am I going to be able to pull out 50 minimum, ideally at least 70K off the back of the revaluation? So I'm always looking. This is Property Invest Story where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we'll continue the conversation with mortgage broker Taku Ekaneo who has learned that within investing, that connections are key. You'll learn how to use these connections to find the best properties for under market value and how a quick reno can instantly increase the value of your property. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. So initially, was there anything holding him back from investing in property? Uh, what, what was holding me back initially? Uh, aside from having enough of a small cash deposit to invest in property. It certainly was, I guess, the mindset aspect or the fear of the unknown as such because obviously this is the first time you're making an investment of this size. It's the first time you're going through this process and I was going through it alone as well and I was investing interstate as well to an area that I've never been in. So there was a lot of things I didn't know about, didn't know about the process. I thought the agents were going to play me Um, you know, they were just going to see me as a rookie and I'd get, I'd be, you know, played as such. Um, so there was, there was a lot of, I guess, fear going into it and that's what kind of, uh, I guess, prolonged my, uh, ability to go into the market and buy. With a lot of trust involved in developing a portfolio interstate, Ekner had to alter his mindset in order to evolve his strategy and progress. One thing that kind of forced me to um, adapt to it was I I didn't see myself having too much of a choice other than to do this strategy because as my mentor said, I wasn't able to continue to keep saving my way to a deposit if I had these aggressive goals as such. Um, So I had to become comfortable with it. Um, I also had to um, develop a lot of trust within the people that I was working with. So that was my builders, that w- that was my property managers and everyone involved as well. And I had to, you know, trust the process um, and really know that if I was able to do these things right, then hopefully, and it would have, you know, it would turn out okay. Um, 
and I guess another thing as well was just to cut out all the negativity, um, you know, because you, you hear these horror stories on the media, you read it, you know, in the magazines as well. Um, so one thing that I, and I still do to this day, and um, I have been doing for about two years was I, I cut out any form of media. Um, I don't watch the TV, um, don't listen to the radio because I know there's so much negative noise out there and there's so much distractions. You know, if you're having a bad day, you could get you could get drawn into one of these stories, and it could be over for you. So yeah, it's really important to cut out all the all that noise and distraction, and just really remain focused on what's right and what works. His mortgage broker, Michael Sharp, was the person that he learned from the most. I actually read his story on one of the publications, one of um, the property investing publications, read his story um, and I was just really intrigued by it because uh, a lot of things resonated with me and I really wanted to replicate exactly what he did and he did in a pretty short period of time. His name's Michael Shah um, and he's he's done this renovation strategy, bought in these blue collar areas as well um, and then just continued this process. So I reached out to him on LinkedIn, said, look, can I just pick your brains, buy your coffee um, and yeah, catch up with you. So met up with him, uh, spoke with him for an hour, hour and a half. And I said, just show me the blueprint and I'll do exactly what you tell me to do and I'll do it. <laughs> and, and it just went from there pretty much. And then now I'm just pestering him every day. But beyond Shah, Egner has a team of people that he relies on to further his investment goals. I guess it's a, it's, it's an always an evolving process. Um, as well because I'm meeting new people um, every day, um, reaching out to new people every day as well. So my my small network slowly starts to grow and grow as well just in this period of time. Um, but what I first did as well to um, build my network in Brisbane was I leveraged off, off the back of people such as Michael Shah where he had a number of properties in the area as well. So I reached out to some of his property managers that he uses and the conveyances that he uses as well. But at the same time, I didn't just take his advice as well, uh, you know, as the gospel and just went straight with them. I still did uh, my due diligence myself and um, interviewed a couple of other property managers, if we're talking about a property manager here, um, and then made my choice off the off the back of not only Michael's advice, but also my due diligence as well. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Uh, might I ask who the property manager may be as well? Um, so I use diligent uh, property management, and they service all my properties around yeah around Brisbane at the moment. So right. they're they're a mum and dad, uh, mum and dad team kind of yep. thing. Yeah, and no, sorry, I don't know if that's the word. It's husband and wife team. I, what I like about them is that uh, you know I, I like this really entrepreneurial having these entrepreneurial people around me. Um, like Michael, he started his own mortgage broken business, building his business. These mm-hmm. guys, diligent property management, they're building their own business as well. And I'm having good direct access with the business owners and the people that are making the decisions within these business businesses as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the things that uh, kind of um, I look for as well, I guess. 
Awesome. That's that's inspirational as well too, and it definitely helped by surrounding yourself with people who have that entrepreneurial mindset and also can give you advice about business as well. As you mentioned, you you want to get into business down the track. You know, it's already yep. a good start there to to have the right people in place. But yeah, if you've already got a, if you've got your own own property portfolio, you probably might not even need a business anymore. That that could be the business. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the business. Yeah. I mean, eventually, I'm going to get into my own business as well, but. Right now, don't really know what that is, but yeah, it's certainly surrounding yourselves with these with these type of people. You're just like you, you. You really look at yourself, and you're like, look, I could be doing the same thing as well. The buy Renault whole strategy is one adopted by many property investors, but Ekenea pursues his goals with a tenacity that outstrips most others with the same idea. With an unwavering desire to pull out as much wealth as he can from his properties. Ekene is on a winning strategy that he just can't lose. Um, when it comes to the nuts and bolts of it, I'm, every property now that I'm looking for, I'm looking at it from a sense is that after the renovation, am I going to be able to pull out 50 minimum, ideally at least 70k off the back of the revaluation? So I'm always looking, I'm going into every property saying, how am I going to pull out 60k or 70k out of this purchase? So with that in mind, that um, I, I do that two ways, buying below market value. So I already got built-in equity there and then also manufacture equity by doing value-add strategy like cosmetic renos. Mm. Um, I don't want to spend more than – definitely not more than 20K, but I try to keep it around that 10 to 15K. And the reason for that is I'm buying properties around that 250 to 350 mark, 350K mark. So for every purchase that I'm making – I need, you know, if, if I'm putting a 10 to 15K reno in and then also 12% deposit in and with closing costs and stamp duties and all that, I, I'm going to need about 60, 70, 80K. And hence why um, I don't want to overcapitalize on the renos and I'm always looking for where am I going to find 60 to 70K of equity within those properties mm. after I revalue it. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to look at any big projects, don't want to look at any um, structural renovations because in the areas that I'm investing in, a structural renovation is just going to completely eat, eat into my cash flow and eat into my equity as well. Mm. So I just look at things that are going to brighten up the place. Um, you know, Maybe I can do a quick value add like putting that extra bedroom, which I just did on the Deception Bay one and which I'm about to do on my, uh, my most recent one as well. Um, so, which aren't very costly, but improves the value of the um, the property pretty significantly. Great, it's it's really interesting from from what you've said. I mean, the figures all seem very very reasonable, and especially in in the market that we're working in in Brisbane, there, I guess it, it's definitely um, feasible. But you will need to obviously look very hard and and look a lot to be able to find off uh, properties like that. Um, yeah, I guess how. Because a lot of the properties that you're finding is really quite undervalued. Uh, how much time are you and how much how many properties are you actually looking through to find these? Yeah, I mean, when I'm actually in the market and when I'm really intently looking at buying something, um, because I do have a full-time job as well, I can't just be on it <laughs> during the day all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in the mornings, I'm definitely on realestate.com.au. Even on the commute to work, I catch training, so I'm, I'm on it. Um, always set all my um, 
uh, my Google alerts, my real estate alerts. So it's coming into me, into my inbox. So I can filter through quite easily at lunchtime. I'm looking through properties and I'm also calling real estate agents at lunchtime. Um, And then in the evenings, I'm I'm just online, whether it be on realestate.com.au or speaking to other investors that have invested in the area, um, trying to find good properties and under-marketed properties. Um, And then now that I've been now that I've invested a few in Brisbane, I've made a few good real estate agent contacts in the area. So every now and again, I also get deals sent to me that's that hasn't hit the market yet. You know, during that one week grace period, um, which has been very helpful. Um, f- for instance, my most recent purchase that I bought in Scarborough, um, I wasn't actually even looking in Brisbane at the time. I was actually looking in Adelaide to buy another one in Adelaide, but. Um, a real estate agent called me saying we have a deceased estate contract just crashed on it. We're going to auction tomorrow. If you're in a position to buy tomorrow, if you have finance ready for tomorrow and bid under auction conditions, you'll get it for a really cheap price. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up buying it because I was able to get it for so cheap, you know, <laughs> and then that, that's the beauty of having these connections built over time. They remembered mm. exactly what I was looking for, these cheap rundown properties and, um, yeah, just yeah, building those good connections uh, certainly helped over time, and uh, I guess that's one of the ways that's helped me identify some pretty cheap properties as well. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It is so true. Even even just even can, having a connection to agencies is so important. But yeah. connections to mentors and other people, they'll be able to definitely help you and pass on. So yeah, I guess it's I always it's get them on know. Facebook as well. I always <laughs> try to get the real estate agents on Facebook. I'll get any. Try get every form of communication. So you know your WhatsApp, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and then of course texting and phone. The, the more avenues and open communications that you can have with these agents, the the better it is because you build a better relationship with them as well over time. So, what exactly are the steps that you can take to be so successful at only twenty eight years old? After the break, we'll hear about Ekene's strategy on how he was able to buy more than one property, helping him create the current portfolio he has today. I was able to find pretty solid rental returns in the area where it was going to cover all my expenses and still give me a little bit of money um, on a weekly basis as well. So, it reduced risks from that aspect. As well as which personal habit he attributes to his success? I always like to do is write my goals down um, every day in the morning when I wake up. And finally, we'll hear what books he recommends for property investors at all levels. 10x book too. So, it is oh, a what a book. Pretty, That's a game yeah. changer for me. Ekenair's portfolio is impressive to say the least. At only 28, he has the numbers that some of us can only dream of. But... This has only been achieved through hard work after saving up for his first property in Brisbane. It took Ekenair another 13 months before he had saved up enough for a second property. I bought in a place called Deception Bay, uh, mm-hmm. which is about 45 minutes north of the Brisbane CBD in the region of Morton Bayshire. Um, and I identified that area as being a bit of a growth corridor. There was a lot of infrastructure going on, a lot of government, public and private infrastructure going on in there, like the rail link and then from, from the private from the private aspect, you know, there was extension of the Westfields, Costco, Ikea, Bunnings, they've all moved into the area as well. So a lot of things happening in the area, good population growth, um, and it caught my interest. 
Also, what I liked about the area was that I was able to find pretty solid rental returns in the area where it was going to cover all my expenses and still give me a little bit of money um, on a weekly basis as well. So it re- reduced risks from that aspect. Yep. So that property I bought for two thirty two. It was a very rundown property. Um, you wouldn't be able to live in it at the time, or you could. It, it, it just finished a lease and it was only leasing for, I believe it was $270 um, a week at the time. Um, bought that property. I bought it sight unseen myself. So I didn't physically go to see it, but I had my property manager and also a builder that I met up there go view the property for me. Um, and then we put in the offer pretty much as soon as they saw it. Um, I, I took a bit of trust in the feedback that they gave me and some of the work that needed to be done on rough figures. Uh, put in an offer. So I initially put it in for 238 and then negotiate another 6K, 6.5K off the back of the um, calling off period. Okay, so we're talking about Deception Bay and um, you purchased yep. that sight unseen. Wow, that is a brave move. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was sight and seen from my perspective, but yeah, I guess I, I really trusted in the people that were going to view it, um, and that helped me. That helped me make my decision a lot easier as well. Um, and also, yeah, knowing that I was getting it for so cheap at the time, um, I knew I factored in a little bit of a buffer on the renovations that needed to be done, um, and it still stacked up as a good deal. Um, so yeah, I went ahead with it. Um, when it came, comes to the reno, so yeah, we just ha- what we had to do was um, do a little bit of work on the kitchen, same with the bathroom, put in new carport, paint internal, external, um, completely sand and polish the floors and do quite a bit of gardening work as well. So there was a little bit of work that needed to be done, mm-hmm. and hence um, justified by the low price. One great thing about that property though was, so we looked at the floor pan and the main bedroom was this, it was a really big bedroom. It was a six by three and he had windows on either side. Um, so we identified that, you know, we could perhaps turn this into just putting a divider wall, put in an alcove with a door and turn this into a four better. So put in an extra bedroom, uh, which would which would easily bump up the rent, which it did to 340. So $70 more after the reno um, to what it, used, it was um, renting for. And it improved the value of the property as well when it came time for revaluation. So, so yeah, that, that was a really good yeah foray into the whole renovating strategy. Yeah. So, what kind of um, equity did you manage to actually get out of that one? So the first, so we've actually revalued it twice now since I've bought it, and the first one, the first reval that I did on it was. It was only four weeks after I settled on the property, so it's pretty close within settlement time, and got revalued at two eighty five. Yeah, um, I knew that property was worth a lot more than that, but value was being value was in being conservative, um, especially when it just settled only four weeks ago. They find it these valuers they find it harder to justify in their heads that a property's increased in value even after a reno you know, 60, 70, 80K. Mm. So they were pretty much on the conservative side and, yeah, they valued it at 285. So I was still able to pull out about 50K to purchase That's the great. next one. Yeah. Yep. And what's it worth now? Um, so we just got it revalued again, uh, I believe it was six weeks ago. Um, no, actually it was probably about two months ago now and got revalued again for 320 Wow, that's quite a substantial jump now since uh, you've actually... Yeah. <laughs> so, there's a lot more yeah, equity so, for you now to play with. 
yeah, really happy with that one because I, I pulled out equity again on that one and then used it towards another purchase. So, yeah, it's been a little bit of a gold mine that one. The barrier of interstate property management was one that Econade had little trouble overcoming. Through trust and communication with his team, he was able to renovate his second property entirely remotely. I, I really wasn't hands-on at all. When it comes to uh, me going to view the property, um, during the renovation process, I only went up once towards the back end of it when it was finishing. I'd have my property manager though throughout that period go check up on the renos and see how it was progressing. And from a project management perspective, what I generally tend to do while I'm going through a renovation period, which generally lasts for about two weeks, is I'm on the phone with my builder once in the morning um, just to identify from him you know, what works are going to be done today, um, what got done the night before as such. And then as I finish work and as he's finishing work, I give him another call as well to just see if everything got done, you know, what didn't get done and discuss what's going to be happening tomorrow. Every few days, I'll also get progress uh, photos sent through to me as well from the builder. That's so good. Um, yeah. yeah, it sounds like you've really managed it really well from afar because a lot of people and I've heard of stories where the, the whole project just completely went upside down. Um, how, how did you manage to have a good process in place like that? Um, I always I always keep good lines of communication. So I guess that's generally what I do. And I think maybe my job might have helped me with that, being in sales. You know, I'm constantly speaking with new people all the time and, mm. um, you know, having to build relationships in a pretty short period of time. Um, and I think this, th- this kind of really helped me as well because I was able to build a pretty good relationship with my builder, always kept on top of him, but without being too pesterish. Um, and then also, of course, had the help of my property manager being on site there every few days. That's great. Yeah, it's it's amazing what you what you've been able to accomplish with that. All right. So yeah. after Deception Bay, what happened from there? What did you jump into next? So after that one, I bought one in. It was Kalanga, and that one. Wait, was it Kalanga? Yeah, it was Kalanga. So that's also in the Moreton Bay region as well. Um, it's right next to North Lakes. It's between North Lakes and Petrie, um, which is kind of a bit of a hub of the Moreton Bay region. Uh, the reason why I say it's a bit of a hub for the Moreton Bay region is because North Lakes has the big Westfields there and then also Petrie is getting a, uni- a new university currently getting built right now as well. So Kalanga's kind of smack bang right there in the middle of things. Great. And was that yeah. another also renter for that particular property? Uh, that was um, that was an, another property, another sight unseen. Pretty similar process <laughs> to the first one. <laughs> so yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, I kind of when I'm in the zone, I like to make. I don't make rash decisions because I've done my research on the area, but I make quick decisions. If I feel as though something's good and the price is good, I'll make pretty quick decisions. And mm. this one was a little bit more risky in a sense that I bought it uh, unconditional. So that means I didn't have a formal building and pest inspection done and I also um, uh, didn't have a finance approval clause in place as well. Okay, so that is quite risky. What what was the reason behind that? Yeah, so the property, uh, it came on the market, I I believe it was on the month, no, it it was like on a, it was on a weekday anyway and it was, it was on a Wednesday on the market for offers over 265 at the time. 
Um, and then I was like, holy shit, that, that's actually a really good price, even at that price of 265 mm. It was, you know, the property had been trashed by the previous tenants and they had done a runner on the property. Um, so the vendor at the time was kind of stressing out because he wasn't getting any money from the property. He couldn't get it rented out because the property was trashed. So it was just costing him money to hold and he just wanted a really quick sale. Mm. Um, someone put in an offer um, on that day for 265 um, And then so I called the real estate agent and I said, wait, wait don't accept that offer yet. Let, let me have my builder go look at it tomorrow morning, first thing tomorrow morning. And then if he gives me good feedback, I'm willing to put in an offer straight away as well. So he met my builder, the real estate agent met my builder the next morning. My builder went to go walk through it. He said, look, the property is probably going to need anywhere between, you know, 10 to 15 Ks worth of work, a little bit less than the Deception Bay one. And from what he could see from a structural point of view and from a pest point of view, it was all pretty clear. So I was like, all right, I'm just going <laughs> to take his word for it. He did a good job on the Deception Bay one. I'll just take a risk. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I put in an offer of 250 I believe it was, um, and then even though I knew his offer was 265 the other 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 offer, I I kind of sold my offer that it was a cash unconditional deal. You know, this was a sure thing. This was, you know, I wasn't going to crash on this property. I wasn't going to negotiate mm-hmm. off the back of this because it's a unconditional sale. And I knew the vendor obviously just wanted to get out of this property and just sell this property. So I used that a little bit to my advantage and ended up having to go up to 254 and got the got the deal the next day. Yeah, he accepted the offer. So Fantastic. So by doing that, um, obviously, you came in at the right time because you knew the vendor's needs and also too, yeah. you were able to negotiate to make it beneficial for you as well to and a win-win situation because the vendor was wanting to go and, and get out of it whereas you saw that there was a good option to add value to this property as well. Yes, absolutely. So, what kind of person can do this? What does it take to be a person who can run two jobs and an investment portfolio also successfully? Well, according to Econaid, it takes a concrete motivation to achieve your goals. Personal habit that's um, aside from making a lot of quick decisions too quickly and uh, <laughs> falling into trouble with uh, some of my investing decisions. But uh, now I'd say one of the things that I always like to do is write my goals down um, every day in the morning when I wake up and also in the evening before I go to sleep. Um, you know, a lot of people, the majority of people, they, they just write their goals down at the start of the year and they forget it at the end of the year and they we're at the same place where they were um, at the end of the year as well. And that's something that I used to do and I always i am guilty of doing that. Um, but then I, I was reading some content um, where this really successful businessman, Grant Cardone, he actually, um, you know, he, he, he died by this rule and he does it day in, day out. And it's, it's great because you, you wake up with it. It gives you motivation to, get to work and you know why you're working because you're trying to achieve these goals and then before you go to sleep um you're writing these goals down so you, you you're it's at the top of mind as you go to sleep as well so i think it's really important because it cements um why you're doing this so where can you learn the unwavering dedication shown by Econet in today's episode i guess if if they're still not sold on the 
concept of investing or investing first and rather if they're more looking towards maybe um, buying their own home first or something like that I'd, I'd suggest maybe um, reading a book such as Rich Dad Poor Dad which kind of flips the switch around a little bit um, and it looks at it a little bit more from a con- contrarian mindset um, that was a really good book when I first was starting to get into property investing and on the other end if they're already sold on property investing and they're investing themselves then a book like the 10x rule was an unbel- was was a game changer for me as I said you know really expanded my thinking really expanded or forced me to push a little bit harder. So, where can you connect with Ekanea? I'm always keen on meeting, networking, connecting with like-minded investors whether they have little experience or you know heaps of experience as well. Would love to connect with you guys. So, find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, just my name, Taku, T-A-K-U, and then Ekanaika, which is E-K-A-N-A-Y-A-K-E. It's a bit of a mouthful, but um, yeah, you'll find me. Thank you again to Taku Ekanaika for joining us today at Property Investory. We've certainly learned a lot from his strategy and mindset. If you want to hear about Ekanaika's journey as a property investor, an Uber driver, and a salesman at only 28 years old who already possesses a portfolio worth $2.1 million, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Taku Ekanea and select that episode to listen and learn more about his story. You can also get the full transcript and show notes on our website.